This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Scoopy Radio. In your airwaves, on the plane, on the train, everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy. Snapchat and Instagram at scoop underscore B and make sure that you subscribe to the Scoop B Radio podcast available on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, iHeartRadio, or simply by visiting scoopbradio.com. The Chicago Bulls, will they make the playoffs or won't they? It's early in the season and on the line to discuss all of the stuff going on with the Bulls is none other than NBC Sports Bulls insider Casey Johnson. Sir, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. The Bulls lost to the Toronto Raptors 93 to 92. What happened last night? Uh, it's another example of a team that is does not know how to close out games, or at least uh, to this point of the season has failed in closing out games. They are starting to play more competitively. Um, they still do not have a win against a team with a winning record, uh, but obviously we're in position to change that both Sunday in Miami and then Monday night at home against Toronto. Um, it's pretty crazy that Zach Levine has been involved in so many late game situations of late. Um, contrast to his decision to shoot a three pointer um, at the end of in isolation at the end of the uh, loss home loss to the Golden State Warriors. He, chose to drove, drive the ball this time and attack the rim and took a shot over a double team that, that missed. And, uh, you know, Jim Boylan said the game does not come down to that final play, and he's right. There were many other instances in that fourth quarter where the Bulls uh, did not execute or, or came up short, and uh, they have another home loss to, to show for it. 
for those keeping score at home, uh, the Chicago Bulls are currently sitting at 8-17, 11th place in the NBA's Eastern Conference. Uh, Casey, when I look at these standings right now, uh, two teams that legitimately surprised probably myself and a lot of other people um, are the Miami Heat uh, as well as maybe the Detroit Pistons, the Pistons or the Orlando Magic. The, the Pistons are in ninth place currently. The, the Magic are in the eighth seed. Um, you, some would argue that the Bulls being in 11th place, uh, maybe if the Heat weren't so high up and maybe if the Magic weren't 11 and 12, uh, weren't there. Kobe Bryant, or excuse me, Kobe White. I have to get used to saying that. Kobe White recently, <laughs> recently said uh, that he could see the Bulls making the playoffs. The, the Bulls are a young team. Um, do you like the shift of Kobe White uh, going to point guard? Is that his natural position? No, and I don't think it's a flat-out shift to point guard. I mean, it, it was a storyline for a day because, you know, Jim Boylan talked about him being more, more of a lead guard situation. The Bulls don't even really use the term point guard because they don't really have one. They, they have a lot of guys who can handle the ball, but no true point guard from my estimation. Um, and, uh, you know, he had eight assists on Sunday in Miami, so that's why it became a storyline for a day. I've liked actually how the Bulls have handled um, Kobe White throughout this season because they haven't really put many labels on him. He's clearly not a point guard to me at this point of his career, and that's fine. He's a 19-year-old kid who's a talent and obviously goes through some feast or famine moments, but in those feast moments has you know provided some huge uh, games for the Bulls. And his scoring ability and his shot-making ability and his fearlessness um, I think bode very well for his future. He's a big guard. Um, I think as he learns the NBA game, he will be better in terms of a lead guard slash point guard role. But as we all know, most good point guards in today's NBA are scoring guards, you know, as well as point guards. So he does need to learn, you know, how to run screen roll, how to defend screen roll, things like that. But I, I think the Bulls have used him very, very well. Another thing they've done with him is if he is hot, They've allowed him to close games, which I think is a, is a nice weapon to have. The Bulls uh, made headlines a few weeks ago when Zach Levine and, and Jim Boylan uh, seemingly were unhappy with each other. Do you think that come All-Star break or even in April, we'll look at that blow up between the two of them and say this was a turning point, especially when Zach Levine went out and scored a ton of points the next night after he and Jim Boylan had it out, do you think that folks will look at that and say that may be a turning point for them to do, to do well? Or what do you look at that as? I mean, I look at it as another chapter in their ongoing saga. I'm not sure I would call it a blow up. I mean, it was definitely um, something that Jim Boylan did where he singled Zach out with uh, substitution in that uh, early in that heat game at home. And Zach, you know, took exception to being singled out. Um, you know, obviously it was good storyline for a day or two, but in terms of their overall relationship, here's what I would say. I mean, it was pretty well documented that Zach, you know, had a little difficulty when Jim took over for Fred Hoiberg under Fred Hoiberg, Zach could really do whatever he wanted. He had free reign. Um, Fred, you know, let him kind of just do what he wanted. And that was kind of Fred's coaching style. And Jim came in and started making demands of Zach challenging him to become a bet more, more of a two-way player. Zach initially not only bristled at, so much at that, but also just at how much Jim Boylan slowed down the offense. And, and that was Zach's bigger uh, issue when, when Jim first took over in December of, 
2018. They got to a good place by the end of last season. There's the well-documented story where Zach Levine offered to pay Jim Boylan's fines when he got ejected from that road game at the Clippers. Um, that's not allowed by league rules, but it was a nice gesture. And Zach saw how much Jim Boylan cared for him and his game. He Jim puts a lot of time into player relationships, spends a lot of time with these guys in terms of film study and things like that. So Zach, you know, got to a good place with Jim last season. And that to me is the bigger storyline from the latest incident. It was like, it kind of set back some progress. Like Zach was like, really, we're doing this again. And, um, you know, Zach feels like he should be treated like a star. Now you can make the argument. It's certainly open to bay whether he deserves that or not. Um, because, He's clearly the most talented player on the Bulls, but he's not been an all-star yet. So um, that's a whole separate debate. But as far as their relationship is concerned, I think it just kind of is what it is right now. It's something where Zach understands that Jim cares about him and his game, but there's going to be moments where the relationship is tested because of that challenging aspect that Jim has in his coaching style. Casey, is Jim Boylan? I, I was I was out there last month uh, for the Lakers Bulls game. Is Jim Boylan really that throwback of a coach that he looks more like a '90s coach than a modern 2019 coach, 2020 coach? Like, it, it, I got the feel that people felt like he was just so stoic in the way he he handles things with them. Is it just that they're a young team? What is it? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I have the perfect answer for that question. I mean, everyone's got a different opinion or, or thought on that. What I would say is. You know, Jim's response is, you know, since when is it being throwback or old school to hold players accountable? And and that's mm. all Jim is trying to do is hold players accountable um, and, and challenge them. I mean, he, the, the example he always likes to remind people is, you know, Greg Popovich would go at Tim Duncan all the time and nobody would say boo. Now, obviously, Greg Popovich got a, has a tad more cachet in this league than Jim Boylan, but. Jim Boylan also likes to remind us that he worked for Greg Popovich once. So, you know, but I, I don't know. It's like the old school thing to me is always kind of an interesting debate because clearly when Jim took over, he was doing some crazy things. I mean, push-ups and wind sprints in, in practice, things like that. Um, that 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 kind of stuff was very atypical NBA. Holding players accountable, I got no problem with that. I mean, all Jim is trying to do is get the most out of these players. The phrase that he likes to use is I, my, my job as a coach is to take these players to a place that they can't go themselves. Now that may run counter to some people's thinking in today's NBA, where obviously players have a lot of juice and a lot of power. And it's always been a player's league. I mean, the players are the talent. Um, but I personally, in that small instance, kind of side with, coaches i i got no problem with with coaches trying to hold players accountable scoopy radio on the line with nbc sports chicago's casey johnson riddle me this why is Thaddeus young not playing a ton if the, the bulls kind of remind me of the knicks they got a lot of forwards a lot of different issues in the knicks logo versus the bulls obviously but it, they have a lot of forwards and, and three d's or, or or fours and fives is, is it is it position what is it uh i think uh, I will answer that, and I think then getting Fatty Young on your podcast for him to answer that would be a fascinating answer because I'd, really like <laughs> I'd really like to hear Fatty Young's thoughts on that subject. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a professional guy, so when, when I've asked him about it, when others have asked him about it, he just said, you know, you'll have to ask the coach. I'm just doing what the coach said. 
I don't know this for sure. I'm not reporting this. I'm not saying this. My guess would be that he's privately a little bit uh, frustrated, surprised, whatever word you want to use. I mean, yeah, it's a, my point is, it's a great question. I, I don't understand why he's playing as little as he is. I understand that um, the future is about Wendell Carter Jr. and Lowry Marketing. Um and even Daniel Gafford is getting a little burned out in that big man rotation. But Thad Young, to me, is just one of those you know, solid guys who will produce basically in any role you give him. And, um, you know, I understand he came here knowing he would be a reserve because Markkinen is starting ahead of him. Um, but they've stayed away from trying him at the three, even with Porter and Hutchison, you know, on the shelf. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fine if you want to go that route. Uh, but I think that he needs to be out there a little bit more. I, I would be I would be in agreement with you on that one. I agree wholeheartedly, Scoopy Red, of talking to Casey Johnson. The Bulls, um, with Larry Marketing, uh and Zach Levine, you would think a pick and roll's dream, a, a, you know, causing havoc uh, and more. Um, I guess this question is simple. Um, if Zach Levine uh, is not the guy that's on, the Bulls go to who? Who's number two? Oh, to me, it's Lowry for sure. Um, and you're, you know, it, that is a mystifying aspect to this team is why have those two not been able to consistently play well in the same game? It does seem more often than not when the, that when Zach goes off, Lowry does not, and vice versa. I, you're, you're, you're hitting the, you're preaching to the choir. You would think a uh, Levine marking in pick and roll or pick and pop would be a nightmare for defenses to defend. I I I think that that action should be run more often. Um, it sounds simplistic, but it's a pick and roll league, and if you put your two best players in an action like that, defenses have to make a choice. Um, so you know, Markkinen I think is starting to play a little bit better of late after mm-hmm. that crazy slow start that nobody could figure out, including Lowry. Um, but it is a it is a cons- the reason why it's a consistent storyline. You know why can't Lowry and Zach play well at the same time is because it keeps happening. It seems like when when one goes off, the other doesn't, and, and vice versa. And then Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, scored 14 points in the loss against Toronto uh, the other night. He told me uh, this summer uh, that basically uh, everybody knows he can play defense. He wants to he wants to create a go-to move uh, offensively. He wants to be more known offensively. What have you seen in his growth uh, this season? I've seen uh, fits and starts. I mean, he doesn't get a lot of stuff called for him, which I actually – I'm in the minority here. I'm fine with that. I mean, I think you got enough guys who got to eat, especially when Otto Porter comes back, if he comes back. Um, you know, I, I think his role is kind of the defensive minded center. I know he's got offensive skills, but the Bulls don't really need him to be a dominant offensive player. I, um, I do think that, you know, there's times where he looks like he's either been coached or it's in his head that he shouldn't shoot the mid range, um, you know, top of the key foul line jumper. I think that should probably be incorporated in the game a little bit more. Um, you know, the comps coming out of Duke were that, you know, he could be an Al Horford type, and obviously Al Horford mm-hmm. has that shot even out the three-point range in his arsenal. So that's something I think Wendell could consistently develop, and I think, you know, the Bulls should employ that. But uh, I, I hear a lot of noise about how he needs to get more shots, more touches, and and, you know, I can understand that side of the coin. I'm on the other side of the coin. I, I, I think you got enough offensive minded players and Wendell's 
main role for this job for this team is to defend and rebound and, and kind of just you know score off of second chance opportunities things like that. Derek Rose uh, is starting to show why the Detroit Pistons signed him uh, the other night. He hit uh, a huge shot. Um, against the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, in your mind, what did you think of that uh, shot last night? Well, I mean, you know, I think it's pretty well documented that I've been a pretty big Derek supporter throughout my career. Uh, I, my, my stance on Derek is always this. When, whenever he's been healthy, he's played well. And when he's been injured, he hasn't. It's pretty simple. Uh, or when he's coming back from an injury or rehabbing, he hasn't obviously played as well. But you know, even that Knicks season where he played the full season, you know, he, he had good numbers that year. And uh, so if he's healthy, he's still obviously a force in this league. I mean, you know, you don't score 50 points in, in the NBA like he did last season mm-hmm. for the Timberwolves without still being able to, to play at a high level. And, you know, the fact that he's, you know, in that role that he is with the Pistons and they look to him late in games doesn't surprise me. And, and you know, on a personal level, especially because I don't cover him on a day-to-day basis anymore and I can be a little bit or a little less objective about him. I'm happy for him. I, you know, he's obviously been through a lot uh, and persevered through it. And, you know, if he's healthy, he's still a very legitimate player in this league. There's no question about it. I've asked Lawrence Holmes this question. I've asked Scoop Jackson this question. I've asked Will Purdue this question. I want to ask you, why is it that Chicago – does seems to not, or rather, let me rephrase this a little bit. Do you think that it's hard for Chicago to embrace Derrick Rose because of such the legacy or such the bar that Michael Jordan set in Chicago? I don't think that's. I, I don't. I'd be curious to hear what those other guys said. I, I, I don't think, per, me personally, I don't think it has much to do with with uh, with MJ. I mean, Mike, Derek was beloved those first few years before the ACL tear. I mean, I, there it was. I, I remember writing and saying many times. Um, this story almost feels too good to be true. I mean, number one overall pick, rookie of the year, first all-star since Jordan. Um, it was just, a, you know, youngest MVP in league history. It was like a storybook uh, tale. And then to me, in terms of Chicago not embracing him, the clear delineation point was when he tore his ACL and then chose to stood out um, the 12, 13 season, for whatever reason that touched the nerve with a certain segment of the fan base. I'm not going to say all, you can't make blanket statements like that, but, right. but, uh, but certainly a, 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 a vocal segment of the fan base turned against him for that decision, which quite frankly has borne out to be correct. I mean, now guys tear ACLs and sit out the whole season all the time and or there's load management all the time in the NBA, and they're, all Derek was doing that season was listening to his body and, and his mind, and he just never felt completely right to come back and, and try it in that 12-13 season. Obviously, there were some public relations missteps along the way. He sure. he, filmed, he filmed a ad campaign called The Return and then Never Returned. Um, you know, even he had said that, you know, warming up, uh, you know, working himself into a full lather on the court before games may, might not have been the smartest thing to do because it just whetted the appetite for more for, for fans to, for him to come back, and then he never did. But I personally never had a problem with with Derek choosing to sit out that whole season. I mean, who are we to judge another person's career or body or mind? That's that's mm-hmm. their career. That's their body. That's their mind. So, um, But I, I, I think it has way less to do with MJ's shadow and, and more to do with that 12-13 season. 
Would you like to see Zach Levine, A, participate in the slam dunk contest, and B, as a tribute to MJ, use him as a prop in the slam dunk contest? Oh, well, I don't think MJ's going to, for the prop <laughs> for anything, man. That, that, that would be quite the dream uh, if you could pull that one off. I think Jerry Reinsner would have to get involved in that one, man. But, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I actually never thought of that idea. That would be amazing um, if MJ uh, was out there as a prop. I, but it's funny you bring that up because, you know, the dunk contest um, has gotten kind of prop heavy and chore- choreography, chore- choreography heavy for my taste. And that's, that's why I love MJ and Levine as dunkers because they just go out and dunk. And, you know, um, that MJ Dominique uh, 88 contest is one of the greatest of all time. Obviously, the Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine one is one of the greatest of all time. And, you know, Aaron Gordon used a few props with the magic mascot, what have you, uh, twirling on that, whatever the hell that thing's called. Um, <laughs> but, but, but for the most part, both Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine were going old school and just going at each other at dunks. And that's what I like about Zach as a dunker. I think he's just an old school guy who just has ridiculous hops and goes up and just you jams it. But, yeah. Uh, if, if Michael's a prop, then I'm, that's one of the rare times I'm for a prop. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, a couple more questions. Scoopy Radio on the line with NBC Sports. It's Casey Johnson. The Bulls uh, from tomorrow through Saturday are at home. Uh, they play the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, they play the Charlotte Hornets, Michael Jordan's team. And they play uh, the Los Angeles Clippers on Saturday. Uh, what do you see the next three games for the Bulls? Well, I mean, you know, like I said, they, they clearly are starting to play more competitively. I think defensively in particular, they've, they've kind of become a pretty solid um, team. They obviously are young. They still have some breakdowns, but I think their defense for the, uh, for the large part has, been, has become pretty consistent of late. So I would expect them to be in, you know, most, if not all of those games, uh, especially since they're at home in Atlanta and Charlotte are no great shakes. Obviously the Clippers – have some elite talent, uh, but uh, you know the Bulls have have played well against good teams of late. So, you know, I expect them to be competitive, and if not all of them, at least most. You know, two of the three, three games, it's just whether or not they can they can close. And to this point, you'd have to give them a, an F in that uh, in that for that grade for in this in, in that department for this season. They just they've been in too many games in the fourth quarter, or blown too many fourth quarter leads where they just you know. That that's going to be their albatross until they they prove otherwise. Christmas is coming up. The cool part about Christmas for you, looking at the Bulls' schedule, is that you'll actually be home. They play Orlando on the twenty third, and then you guys are at home the twenty eighth against the Atlanta Hawks again. What are you doing for Christmas? Well, hopefully, I'm not covering a uh, coach's firing. No, I'm I'm kidding. I want to make clear I'm kidding because he's not getting fired, but. uh, I have uh, covered two of those on Christmas Eve, as everyone who's a fan of the Bulls knows. Uh, so I am going to be with my family here in Chicago, which is obviously a good thing. And I've, you know, I've covered the Bulls long enough, obviously, to to know when they uh, play on Christmas Day every year, and uh, that can be a cool thing, and it can be, you know, kind of an annoying thing. So uh, I've I've run the gamut. I've, I've been covering the Bulls when they're great, and on Christmas Day extravaganza, which is very cool for the league. And then when they're obviously not as good and, and you get the day at home with the family. So uh, this year I get, I get the ladder. 
Your first, your favorite uh, Christmas Day Bulls game as a as a reporter. Uh, hmm, that's actually a good question. Uh, I probably would say the uh, the opener at the Lakers when Rose hit the game winner, just because it was such a weird start to the season. I mean, because of the lockout and you know you're opening on Christmas Day in in LA. Um, it was a little depressing to be in LA on Christmas Eve. I'm not going to lie, but uh, but uh, obviously a cool game, and uh, you know you don't usually have a season opener on on Christmas Day, and the fact that that Rose hit that game winner made it made it even more memorable. I mean, I covered obviously not as the lead beat guy back when I worked for the Chicago Tribune, but as like a sidebar or helper guy, I covered you know some Michael Jordan Christmas Day games, so those are always fun too. But I, I'm going to go with the Rose one. That 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 was a very memorable game. I like it. Scoopy ready on the line with Casey Johnson. Brother, you are off the hot seat. I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Have a good one. Scoopy Radio. Overtime. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.